Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Four Vaginas Only podcast. In this podcast episode, we are going to talk about those of you that suffer from chronic bacterial vaginosis and yeast infections. You know who you are. You're always getting BV every few months or every time you have sex with a certain person or you're getting chronic yeast infections or you're treating the BV and then you get a yeast infection after that and you cannot break the cycle. Well, you know what? This podcast episode is for you. But first, let's cue the music. Hello and welcome to Four Vaginas Only, the podcast about everything female. I'm your host, Dr. Celestine, bringing you important information about understanding your health and body in the way you wish your doctor would actually explain it. All right. Hi again. Welcome to the Four Vaginas Only podcast. I am Dr. Celestine, your host and board certified obstetrician and gynecologist. And in this episode, like I mentioned, we're going to be talking about chronic bacterial vaginosis or BV and chronic yeast. We're going to talk a little bit about the symptoms of each so you can kind of figure out which one you have, but I would also always recommend that you go to your doctor to get an actual diagnosis before you self-diagnose. Those people that, you know, have gotten the diagnosis over and over, you kind of understand your symptoms. Maybe not so necessary to go to the doctor, but if it's happened only once or twice and you're not sure what it is, don't just take this podcast's word for it. Just have a little idea. It'll help you kind of gather your thoughts and bring this information to your doctor. So yes, talk about the symptoms first. Then we're going to talk about ways that you can try to prevent these infections and also ways to treat them and ways to actually keep them at bay, to stop them from happening every month or every time you have sex or every time you have your period. We're going to talk about some of the best stuff that's out there right now in order to help you. Okay, so first and foremost, what are the symptoms? Okay, um, I would like to say that some people do have vaginal discharge every day. So just the presence of discharge alone is not enough to say that you have an infection. Let's talk about bacterial vaginosis first, also known as BV. So with bacterial vaginosis, most commonly, you have a thin white or grayish discharge and you also have a vaginal odor. Some people describe it as garbage smelling. Most commonly, you hear like a fishy odor, and you kind of smell it a lot. Some people, if they're really close to you, might smell it. If you're actively having sex, you're kind of bringing that odor out into the world, so you will smell it more then. You kind of smell it on yourself between your legs. That is bacterial vaginosis. It doesn't always itch, but I find in some people it actually does have a little bit of itchiness to it, but it doesn't make your labia or vagina irritated. So no like deep redness or lesions on the labia or anything like that. And now for a yeast infection. So a yeast infection, you more so have a thick, white, kind of curdly discharge. It looks clumpy. And it causes lots of itching. Sometimes the itching is just inside the vagina. Sometimes the itching is actually on the labia. It can get so bad that your whole outside labia actually look red and irritated. Sometimes can even have little bumps. So, but the main symptoms are those, the thick vaginal discharge that's white and clumpy and lots and lots of itching. No open sores or anything like that, but sometimes you can get like a little rashiness on the labia. Okay. Now, both of these, BV and yeast, are not STDs technically. Although sometimes I wonder, you know, there's a lot of people that do get BV, for example, after sex and 
you know, sometimes I wonder if there's a little link there to being sexually transmitted, but for the most part, they are the fact that your pH balance in the vagina is getting thrown off and different things do that. Sex can throw off the pH, blood coming through the vagina with your period can throw off the pH, um, sweating a lot, wearing hot, sweaty clothes, not kind of showering in between and kind of sitting in those wetty clothes, wet clothes, wetty, <laughs> sitting in those wet clothes. All of these things can throw off your pH. So the best ways to kind of prevent this pH disruption are some simple things that you can start with, especially if you're the type of person that you haven't really tried any of these yet. I know, I know you girls and ladies out there that have it chronically, you're like, I've done all of this, like get to the good stuff. But first, let's talk to those out there that it's only happened like once or twice and they're not really sure what to do. So first and foremost, keeping up with just general vulvar vaginal hygiene. No douching. Do not douche ever. Douching actually brings about these infections. So if you are douching, that could be the cause. So stop doing that. Second, wiping properly. So anytime you have sex afterwards or anytime you go to the bathroom, always wipe the vagina area kind of from the front to the back. Never wipe from your rectal area up to the front because you're bringing poop, feces, all of that bacteria from the butt into the vagina. Obviously, you don't want to do that. So always wipe from front to back. The third thing to kind of like talk about this hygiene is no scents and no wipes, especially wipes with scents, (laughs) like the worst combination. So those over-the-counter like vaginal wipes and products, you don't really need them. I say the only time I actually tell people maybe they are benefiting you is if you're working out, you don't have a shower, and like let's say you're going straight to work, sure, try to use like a pH-balanced wipe. But otherwise, don't do it. And if you are gonna do it, make sure it does not have any scent to it. I don't care if it smells like roses or citrus. These scents should not be on the vulva or on the vagina. So stay away from that. And one of the other hygiene things is changing your panty liners, menstrual pads, tampons regularly. If your vulva and vagina are kind of just sitting in blood, that can throw off the pH. So you don't want to leave it in too long. For example, tampons have a a time limit to them. You shouldn't leave them in more than eight hours. But I would say if you are actually a chronic like a person that's getting these infections chronically, you might want to change your liners, pads, tampons, like every three to four hours. Um, And even more frequently, if you're somebody that has heavy vaginal bleeding with their periods. But remember, heavy vaginal bleeding, not normal. Talk to your doctor about that. See my other podcast episode. (laughs) Okay, another sort of hygiene prevention tip, cotton underwear. So those tight little thongs that are made of that material that has no... um, what is it? No seam, so you can't see it through your clothes, but they don't actually have a cotton part that's by the vagina. That could be causing it. So first of all, your underwear shouldn't be tight. You also shouldn't be wearing tight pants all the time. So loose clothing and the at least the part that's by the vulva and vagina should be made of cotton, if not the entire underwear itself. And that's most beneficial for kind of wicking water away, wicking sweat away, so that the area down there doesn't stay like moist and breeding this bacteria and changing your pH. Okay, so that's some general hygiene stuff. Now, some risk factors for getting these infections chronically is one, if you have a lot of sexual partners. So if you're constantly like 
not constantly. I don't, I'm not here to shame anybody. <laughs> if you have a few sexual partners, I mean, you know, be safe, go you. But also, they, each person has kind of like a different pH. Their semen, especially if they're ejaculating in you, has a different pH level. And that can be like switching that up in your vagina multiple times can be throwing your pH off constantly. So one of the recommendations is actually to wear condoms, not only for STD prevention, which I completely subscribe to that philosophy, obviously, to keep everybody out there safe, especially if you're not with one long-term partner. But if you have multiple partners, try to wear condoms with them. So that way they're not ejaculating in the vagina and their skin flora and their ejaculation is not actually throwing off your pH. Also, if you're somebody that has irregular bleeding, for example, you got a new IUD and you know you got the Mirena and you can have irregular bleeding, sometimes six to eight months randomly when you're not expecting it, that's blood constantly like in and out the vagina. And like I said before, with the changing the liners, the pads and the tampons, blood can change your pH. So if you're in that phase of a new birth control or if you're just somebody that has irregular periods normally, that can actually be a cause. So with the birth controls, that should get better over time, right? So you kind of have to wait it out a little bit. But if you have irregular bleeding and you're not on birth controls, maybe a reason to start them to stop the irregular bleeding from happening so often. Another risk factor is if you had a recent dose of antibiotics for anything else. So if you had an upper respiratory infection and you got amoxicillin, or if you have an ear infection and you got an antibiotic, antibiotics actually can kill good bacteria. And your vagina has good bacteria that is protecting you from getting yeast infections and bacterial vaginosis. So if you're taking antibiotics, especially for a long course, seven, 10 days, then that actually kills the good bacteria that's prevention and causes the yeast and BV to overgrow, leading to an infection. So a lot of times people know or have a trigger that when they take an antibiotic, they get a yeast infection. So that's a common trigger for a lot of people. The other thing is hormone changes. So yes, I did just say that you could try birth controls to calm down irregular bleeding in order to help with the chronic BV and yeast. But for some people, the birth controls actually change their hormone levels to such that the pH gets thrown off because of that. So that might be something to think about. Also hormone changes with pregnancy. Sometimes in pregnancy, women have like excess yeast, excess BV when they never really had it before, all because of the change in hormones. So that's another risk factor. And an interesting thing I saw is that a risk factor, a study showed that a risk factor is being black. Like that's one more thing we freaking need. (laughs) Being black has a two time more risk of having BV and yeast than being a white person. And they actually linked it to stress levels um, and socioeconomic status, which is, I've actually never saw that before. And one, I'm not surprised because, uh, I mean, that's a whole podcast episode, but you know, that's a crazy thing too. Being black is a risk factor for chronic BV and yeast. Like, wow. Just, wow. So many words, so many thoughts. All right, so you have BV and yeast chronically. How the hell do you prevent this from happening? You tried all the things. You're not douching. You're wearing cotton underwear. You know, you are wearing condoms now. All the things I just talked about. It's not working. So what the hell else can you do? All right, so first and foremost, 
I always tell my patients to get on a pre and probiotic. So something that has the combination of both. A product I like is called Happy V. I get a lot of success with that, but there's a lot of pre and probiotic combinations out there, even over the counter that you can take, but you have to take it every single day. Um, it's a preventative medication and it's a daily medication. And it's for gut health. A lot of people know probiotics for gut health, but it actually helps to balance the pH in the vagina as well. Some natural pre and probiotics include foods like kimchi, kombucha, and sauerkraut. So that's something to keep in mind if you are somebody that loves those types of foods to incorporate that more into your diet. Another treatment is boric acid. It's kind of a preventative thing too. I don't say that it's the sole treatment. So if you actually have diagnosed BV, I would say you need antibiotics. Um, but some people, if they know they have a certain trigger like sex, they would use boric acid and put that in the vagina, never use it by mouth. It goes in the vagina in order to try to prevent um, bacterial vaginosis or yeast infection from happening. So that's another prevention tool if you can tolerate it. Sometimes people get very irritated with boric acid in the vagina. It can be burny. It can be irritating. You can try it and find out, but you know some people do, some people don't, and some people find great success with it. Another new medication, um, it's not really, I mean, it's a medication, I guess. It's in a tablet, um, but there's no hormones or anything in it, but it's a medication called Clair-V by the company Bonafide. And they have a combination of things in this supplement that it is also, it has a pre and probiotic as well. So kind of nods to what I was talking about earlier. And you take this pill 15 days every single month. So just for 15 days a month, each month. And that prevents you from getting your chronic BV or yeast infections or even just vaginal odor. It prevents that as well. I, some people have called this a miracle for them. Um, it, you know, I will say it does not work for everybody, but it works for a significant amount of people. And it's a fairly new thing that, you know, is getting a lot of traction and a lot of success. So it's an online only, I believe so far you buy it online. It's around like 30, 40 bucks and you can get a subscription. It gets mailed to your house and you take the tablets 15 days each month. So fairly new, pretty good product, pretty good results for those sufferers to sufferers to know about. And now some like random fact, which I truly don't expect anybody to take right now, but there's a fairly new medication. It's a yeast medication or antifungal medication called um, osteosiconazole. And it's an antifungal, just like if you get Diflucan for your yeast infection. And it was just approved in 2022 for people that have chronic yeast infections. You can't take it if you're pregnant or able to get pregnant. So they recommend you should have like a tubal ligation or be menopausal (laughs) to take this medication. And it's super, super expensive. I mean, like a thousand to two thousand dollars. So it's fairly new. I'm curious to see what kind of traction it gets. Some other things I do with my patients is I'll do a longer course of Diflucan. So you'll do the Diflucan, maybe one tablet every three days for two or three doses. And then you continue the Diflucan, taking it once or twice a week for sometimes six to eight weeks or three to six months in order to try to reset the vaginal pH. So that's 
for those that get chronic yeast infections, I've tried that as well as similar to the BV medication we use a lot, um, flagell and doing a longer course of that can help to reset the vaginal pH. There's also other BV medications. So if you're not really responding well to flagell, you can do clindamycin, for example. So there's other antibiotics that treat BV, just like there's other antifungal medications that treat yeast. So I always tell my patients, like I said in the beginning of this episode, get tested first because sometimes you have a different kind of yeast or a different kind of bacteria that's causing your BV or yeast that has or that you know, necessitates that you actually need a different medication than the standard ones that we prescribe all the time. So it's good to get tested at least once or twice so we can see which type of fungus or which type of bacteria is causing your problem to help guide the the treatment. So yeah, that's it. That's my spiel on BV and yeast, especially those that are chronic sufferers. They're, you know, for a lot of my patients, they get, I would say there's a small amount that get great success, totally wiped out um, of actually getting it chronically. And then there's some that we just, you know, we're able to decrease how often you get it and it's not completely gone. I'm looking forward to new products that come out on the market. I'm looking forward to seeing how more and more of my patients respond to all of these things. And sometimes it's just coming up with the right cocktail for you. So a little bit of a trial and error, working with your doctor and listening to your body. Very, very important. Only you know your body you know, you know it better than anybody else. You know it better than me. You know your body better than your doctor. But we know the science. So if you work with us and we talk through what's going on, we should be able to find something to at least help you at least a little bit because I know how annoying this stuff can be. And that's it. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of the Four Vaginas Only podcast with me, Dr. Celestine. You can find Four Vaginas Only information on Instagram at Four Vaginas Only. You can email me at drc at fvonly.com, like Four Vaginas Only, FV. You can also catch me on TikTok. I'm starting to do things over there, so it's a little fun, a little new platform for me. And catch me in the next episode of the podcast. Podcast episodes drop every two weeks. So I will see you in the next one. Bye.